0: I hope the series is as epic as that bumper video is. There was a there was a man who went to his audiologist in Leeds, England to have his hearing tested. And when the doctor took the man's one hearing aid out, he could hear better. For 20 years he had worn it in the wrong ear. Someone asked a pastor friend if they had a deaf ministry in their church. He responded, there are times when I think the whole church needs a deaf ministry. They just don't seem to hear me. There is a difference, isn't there, between listening and actually hearing. Jesus often declared, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. It takes more than physical ears to hear the voice of God. It, it takes our hearts. It requires our heart to be responsive to, to what it is that we hear. Uh, Hebrews chapter 3. You can turn to Hebrews. I'm going to be all over the book of Hebrews this morning. Um, we're not going to be verse to verse in the first chapter this morning. Um, I'm going to, I, I'm, it's just going to be what it's going to be. Um, So I I hope that you can follow me this morning. Hebrews 3, 7 and 8, it'll be up here on the screen. So as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness. Lots of people, pastors, uh, preachers, teachers keep the book of Hebrews at arm's length. And I think sometimes it's because they've just, they've heard it's a difficult book. Um, there are some questions surrounding the book of Hebrews, um, like who wrote it, who, who was it written to, why was it written? Uh, those are questions that, that many letters in the New Testament answer right within themselves the letter. The, the, the author says, this is who I am, this is who I'm writing to. Um, Corinthian, the people in Corinth, the people in Ephesus, um, we have that information given. That isn't the case with Hebrews. And quite honestly, I think that's what's going to make part of this study as much of an adventure as it's going to be. And I'm going to view it that way. This is going to be an adventure. We're going to wrestle. I'm going to wrestle. I'm going to struggle with trying to figure out how to communicate what it is. You know, sometimes we just have to... Recognize that this is a difficult thing and I don't understand. I, I don't understand this. But I do know this. There are other areas in scripture that we have black and white truth that we can then go, okay, that's true. I know that's true. 100% true. So what does, that look, what does this look like in, in, uh, in light of that? Uh, and I want to encourage everyone, if you're, if you're at home online, I want to encourage you to come to church. I mean, maybe you haven't been for a while, maybe you're sick today, I, I get it, and, and I'm thankful that you're joining us, and we hope that maybe last week we, we made a leap forward with the sound and everything. I, it was better last week, it's been like a moving goalpost. I apologize to anybody who has watched at home and finally gave up and went to another church online. Um, you know, I, we, we're trying, we're, try, we're trying to do our best to figure it out. Uh, but, but I want to encourage you to engage in the book of Hebrews. It is rich with truth. It is rich with, theologic, with theology. Um, I want to encourage you to read its pages over and over and over again. Um, I want to encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate the words that you're reading for you. I want to encourage you to b- buy a couple commentaries. Maybe you have one on the shelf already. Grab it, grab it off, dust it off. Um, see what that commentator has to say about the meaning of this passage or that passage. Maybe uh, you know engage in reading the footnotes and explanations in the in the sides of your Bibles that are there for you to help to help you study it. Um, maybe maybe you have a study Bible. Maybe you don't. If you don't buy one. Get a good study Bible and, and, and invest some time in, in reading uh, what that author is trying to help us understand. Uh, let's wrestle with the truth of God's Word together so that, so that we may all be hearers. Uh, I don't know how many teachers I've heard say, Man, I'm getting more out of this than I think the students are. It's true. It's true when you and and so I want you I want to challenge you to engage in why don't you why don't you prepare a sermon once a week like I do you know do that research paper along with me um, and I'm, and there, I guarantee you there'll be some things that we, we disagree on. There'll be some things that, well, I understand it to be this or I understand it to be that. Well, let's, let's hash that through together. Let's talk about those things. Um, let's wrestle with it so that we can all be hearers, so that we can all truly be listeners, not just readers, I guess, that we can all be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit and God's word. Um, I'm going to do my best to introduce this this morning, and and I want to do that via the way of giving five characteristics of the book of Hebrews. Uh, A book which some commentators refer to as an epistle or in a letter, or a letter, mainly because of where it's found in the the New Testament canon. It's it's right there with all of the letters, with with Paul's letters, and there's the letter to uh, uh, to James, um, the letter of James. Uh, But others because of its lack of traditional intro and salutation, um, refer to Hebrews as a sermon. You know, regardless of the literary type of Hebrews, whether it was a letter or it's a sermon, and, and by the way, I fall into the sermon camp. Um, I, I, it, it, it reads to me like a sermon, and so I will often refer to the author, who we don't know by name, as the preacher. The preacher. Now, here are a, a couple quick background pieces. The author is unknown. We don't know who it is. He, he doesn't tell us who he is. Um, some believe it to be Paul, because there are some similarities, but there are some differences that are big enough that they're like, man, I don't, I don't think it really is Paul. Um, some think it was written by Barnabas, Barnabas, the good man of the book of Acts. Uh, Luke is given authorship sometimes. Uh, Sylvanus, a contemporary of Peter. Apollos is another. And, and Clement of Rome is yet another. Uh, We don't know. Clement Clement had had several books that he had written or letters that he had written to people in Corinth, just like Paul did. And and Clement, uh, there are literary references of the book of Hebrews in those letters that he had sent to people in in Corinth. So uh, Clement's use of Hebrews also means that it was most likely written during his lifetime, um, which dates it around the second half of the first century Possibly in the early 80s, I mean literally the 80s, not the 1980s, um, the 80s, and, and believing as we do that God inspired the book um, and its words, the author's precise identity is actually secondary, secondary to what the book tells us. Most commentators, as they discuss Hebrews authorship, quote, the third century scholar Origen, and this is what Origen said, only God knows Certainly who it was. The audience of the letter was once thought to be Gentile years and years ago, but um, one aspect that brings that audience into question is the incredible amount of Old Testament details. Um, Lots of Old Testament is found in the book of Hebrews, and since the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls in the 40s, it is believed that Hebrews was sent to a Jewish community in the first century, a Jewish community who is beginning to neglect the bond of fellowship with other believers outside their own community, and who were beginning to fall back into Old Testament Judaism. The temple is still in existence. There is still sacrifices being made at the temple. And as a, as a first or second generation believer, you could see where the friends that you have still go there. There can be this traction to go back to that. Um, groups of people in their location also can't be pinned down, but suggestions include Jerusalem, Palestine, Alexandria, and Rome, with Rome actually being the most likely place where everybody seems to fall. Now, the message of the book of Hebrews is on much firmer ground than who the author was or who the audience was. Um, The main themes are the word of God and the work of Christ. Two major themes of the book of Hebrews. Revelation, the word of God, and redemption, Jesus. That Jesus is greater than all things. I don't know if you figured it out, but that's what that orange thing is. That's a greater sign. Jesus is greater than everything. He is our creator, our ruler, our savior, our redeemer. He is greater than. So first of all, number one this morning, Hebrews is a book of evaluation, Hebrews is a book of evaluation. The word better is used 13 times in Hebrews as the preacher shows the superiority of Jesus Christ and his salvation over the Hebrew system of religion. Jesus is greater than the angels. The hope he offers is greater. His covenant is greater. Perfect is another word that is repeated. In the original Greek, it occurs 14 times In the book of Hebrews, and it means perfect standing before God. This could never be accomplished by the Levitical priesthood or the law or by the blood of animals. Never could, but it was accomplished on our behalf by that perfect sacrifice, Jesus. The preacher is evaluating or comparing for us the Old Testament system of law and the New Testament ministry of grace. And we will see that as we go through the book of Hebrews. He is teaching that the Old Testament Jewish religious system was temporary and and that the Old Testament law could not bring about the eternal, better things that are found in Jesus Christ. Jesus fulfilled the requirements of the law on our behalf. It's just like that song said, why, how, how am I deserving? I benefit from all of that that Jesus did, but we, but we do. What an incredible gift. The preacher is asking his readers, the original audience and us to evaluate their faith and practice compared to that that Jesus was offering. This is how I live. This is who I am. This is what I say compared to this is who Jesus is, this is what Jesus says, this is what Jesus commands of us. Now these people are going through it. They're going through some really difficult days. They're second generation Christ followers, probably under the thumb and persecution of Nero. And they were being tempted to go back to their Jewish religion. When this book was written, as I said, the temple was still standing. And it would be very easy to fall right back into the old Mosaic system they had known before. We all know that. When we have made a decision, like these students just did in Arkansas, they made some decisions to let some stuff go, that stuff is going to start clamoring louder and louder and louder to get their attention again. And it would be ever so easy just to step right back into whatever that is. It's true of all of us. It's true of all of us. The people that this was written to are true believers. They're not just professors. They are true believers. They have been persecuted for their faith and their faith. They faithfully ministered to the needs of those around them who have suffered. But they're being seduced by teachers of false doctrine. And they're in danger of forgetting the true word that their first leaders, now dead, taught them. The preacher asked them, How can you go back into your former religion? Just take time to evaluate you, what you have in Jesus Christ. He is greater than anything that you will ever have under the law. We too need to evaluate what we have in Jesus Christ a king. A Lord, a ruler, a savior, a shepherd who loves us and laid down his life for us. He offers us the world. He offers us the kingdom of heaven. Eternal life, a relationship with him right now. I think about when uh, Jesus was uh, teaching out on a hillside and, a, and he just laid it out there and it was tough. And, and a lot of the people... In fact most of the people that had been following him up to that point were like this is too nope can't do this and they all walked away and Jesus turns to those who were who remained and it was his 12 disciples and he said are you going to leave too and Peter said where would we go you are the messiah It doesn't matter how hard it is. It doesn't matter. Uh, And and they failed and and they succeeded as disciples. You are the Christ. That's it. That's it. The savior of the world. Evaluation is good. Hebrews will challenge us over and over and over and over again to evaluate ourselves. Uh, The the book of Hebrews is also a book of exhortation. Uh, Exhortation. Hebrews 13, verse 22. Brothers and sisters, I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation. For in fact, I have written to you quite briefly. The Greek word translated as exhortation here simply means encouragement. It means encouragement. In Romans, the same Greek word is translated as comfort. And in 2 Corinthians, it is translated as consolation. The the book of Hebrews wasn't written... To strike fear in the reader's heart. But to encourage us. Hebrews 13.3, encourage one another daily. In Hebrews 6.18, we're reminded that we have strong encouragement in Christ Jesus. And this is where we must answer the usual question. And it will come up when we get to those passages. But what about those five terrible warnings in the book of Hebrews? Well, three basic words in the New Testament are translated in English as warn, W-A-R-N. And and only one of those is found in the book of Hebrews, and in a book of Hebrews, it's translated admonished, and it refers to Moses, not us. The often referred to problem passages are better understood as exhortation or encouragement passages. It doesn't minimize their seriousness, and, and, if, and but it certainly helps us grasp their purpose, which is to encourage us in our faith to encourage us to trust God, to heed his word. And and I guess if we don't trust God, if we haven't surrendered our life to him, uh, a warning is needed, is necessary. But throughout the book of Hebrews, we are encouraged to hold tight to our rock, Jesus Christ, to follow and hang on to the word, the word of God. And if we don't trust God and heed his word, we're going to find ourselves drifting from the word. It will lose priority in our life. If, if we don't listen to the word and really hear it, we will start to drift. We'll begin to neglect reading it. We'll, be, we'll neglect meditating on it and studying it. And as we drift, we will then find ourselves doubting the word. Our hearts will become hard. Faith comes by hearing, Romans says, but instead of soaking in the truth of God's word, we we drift and our hearts will begin to doubt what we read, even argue against it, which will cause dullness toward the word. Sluggishness will become disinterested. Find every excuse not to read it. We will then find ourselves not just drifting or doubting or growing dull to God's word. We will actually find ourselves despising the word of God. We will despise what we read willfully and with intention. Oh, heavenly father, may this never, ever happen to to us. May we always crave the word. May it be honey May it be honey on our lips, taking in its truth and surrendering our lives to its commands. And and when we despise, we will also begin defying the Word of God. Our attitude will become I don't care what it says, I'm not going to do it. For most people, that doesn't happen overnight, that's a process. And and that process starts with drifting from the word. May the encouragements we hear in Hebrews cause us to pay close attention to God's word. May, May we continue to faithfully listen. Romans 10, 17 and 18 says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. But I ask Did they not hear? Of course they did. Their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the the world. Hebrews is a book of evaluation, proving that Jesus Christ is better than anything. It is a book of encouragement, urging its readers to hear and heed the word of God, lest we regress spiritually. It is also a book of examination. I mean, of course it is, right? Isn't every book of the Bible, doesn't every book of the Bible challenge us to examine our own life? 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. As we study through the book of Hebrews, we will all be challenged to answer the question, what am I really trusting? What is my faith really in? Am I trusting the word of God or am I trusting things of this world that, that truly are shaky and ready to fall away? God had Hebrews written to believers at just the right time. There are two ages colliding when Hebrews was written. At its writing, the temple was still standing, sacrifices were still being, being offered, but very soon the city of Jerusalem and the temple were going to be destroyed and Jewish Christians would be scattered. He wanted his people to have their feet on a solid foundation of faith, not trusting in things that would vanish. It feels like the church is kind of living in that same, same way today, doesn't it? I mean, it sure seems like there are a lot of houses of cards built out there on, on our sort of thinking and our sort of opinions and, and the way that we feel that sh- this thing should be or that that thing should be and and with the writing of hebrews in their day god was god was going to tear down those structures and those structures of cards that people have built they're going to fall because the truth of god's word has not changed it is his word, and and we need to live according to it period if If I disagree with something that's in the word of God, that's kind of my problem, isn't it? You know, the word of God doesn't change on my attitude towards it or my opinion of it. It is truth. It is truth. May we surrender our own card houses to God's word. God God wants our hearts to be established with grace. 13.9. That that word established is used eight times in Hebrews, and it means solidly grounded. To stand firm on your feet. Established carries the idea of strength, reliability, confirmation, and permanence. And even when things are falling apart all around us, for you as an individual, as a culture, as a community, or even as a nation, as a Christ follower, we are part of a kingdom that can not be moved. Yeah. It is rock solid. Yes. God is the rock. His word is steadfast and so is the hope that we have in him. As we examine ourselves, we need to be honest. And, and we need to evaluate what we've put our trust in. Because there's only security for those who are in Christ Jesus. Security and salvation from sin doesn't come to those who are trying to save themselves by whatever, by works or by church attendance. It doesn't come to those who have only made a lip profession. True salvation comes from Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone through the total surrender of everything in our life, heart, mind, soul, and strength. The salvation prayer is not some magical incantation that we can just repeat and and be done with it. That prayer which is fine has to be a communication of what God has done in my heart. Christ saves only those who have come to God through faith in him. Hebrews 7:25. Titus 1:16 says they claim to know God but by their actions they deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. Uh, in Warren Wiersbe's com- uh, commentary, he, likes to, he said he likes to tell congregations the story about a, a conductor who got onto a train, and he began to take tickets, and he told the first passenger whose ticket he took, sir, you're on the wrong train. When he looked at the next ticket, he told that passenger the same thing, and that passenger pushed back and said, but the brakeman told me to get on this train. I'll double check, said the conductor. He did, and he discovered that he was on the wrong train. Look, I fear there are many people who have a false hate, who have a false faith, who have not really heard and heeded the word of God. Sometimes they're so busy telling everybody else what they're doing, they fail to examine their own situation. Where am I? Have I truly listened? The sermon that is Hebrews does just that. It will help us discover where our faith really is, and if we truly have heard it and listened to it. Evaluation, exhortation, examination in Hebrews is also a book of expectation. Hebrews focuses on what is to come, the, the future. In Hebrews 2 verse 5, and you can turn there, it'll be up here also, but uh, we're going to read from that first chapter here in a little bit. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come about which we are speaking. The, the, the preacher says the world to come, ultimately Jesus, when Jesus returns, we will reign with him in the future. Thinking about this truth should cause us to let go of the things of the world, not hold on to them tighter. All the things under the sun, we need to hold on to those things with relaxed and loose hands. Like all the great men and women listed in this sermon, we too are strangers and pilgrims on the earth. We are here but for a moment, though though we're living here today, we are traveling to a much different and greater place as Christ followers. Martyred missionary Jim Elliott said it best, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. As followers of Christ, we have been promised a future reward. Abraham and Moses made decisions that determined those futures. Abraham obeyed God because he immediately went, okay, I'm, I'm looking for this place that God wants me to go. He just packed up and he moved away. Lot did just the opposite. And Lot lost a lot. Abraham obeyed God because he looked for a city, Moses forsook the treasures and pleasures of Egypt because he was looking into a future with his God. That was the same attitude that carried Jesus through the agony of the cross. Remember Jesus, Jesus was like, God, if 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 you could remove this cup from me, please. But not my will, yours. And and then we read Hebrews 12, verse 2. It says, for the joy, talking about Jesus, for the joy set before him, for the joy that's coming in the future, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Praise Jesus, he did that. It was what he saw and knew about the future. May that be true of us too. We're such a here and now aren't we it's all about me in this moment and at this point in time and what I can get and how much I can get let's not live for what the world promises us today let's live for what God has promised us in the future may we truly be strangers and pilgrims on this earth walking by faith and not by sight Evaluation, exhortation, examination, expectation, and finally, it is a book of exaltation. The first three verses of that sermon set this high and holy theme, and we will see it over and over all throughout the book. Look at that there in your Bible, Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. There's a point right there that tells you this was written to a Jewish audience, right? Right? Don't know very many Gentiles that had prophets. It's more judges for them, right? But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Exaltation of Jesus. Jesus is greater. He is superior. He is superior to the angels, verse 4. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs, superior to the prophets, superior to any person, no matter their faith level or life experience. He is the very son of God. It is impossible to separate Christ's glory from the nature of God. They are one. Jesus is the exact representation of the very substance of God. That's why Jesus can say what he said in John chapter 14, verse 9. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. He is the creator of the universe, for by him God made the worlds. And not only did he create it all, but he upholds it all as well. And it's not upholding as if, if, he, if he were to drop it, it would all just fall apart, which may be true, I don't know. But Jesus is carrying the, 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 the words there, uh, describe Jesus holding and carrying everything that is in existence today to a different place. He is our great high priest. We're going to talk about that. He is the superior prophet. He had the first word and he will have the last. Jesus is the source, center, and end of everything that God has to say. Jesus reigns as our superior king. I mean, are you starting to get the picture? Jesus is greater. Another Warren Wiersbe quote, he said, As we study Hebrews together, and may this be true of us, we must keep in mind that our purpose is not to get lost in curious doctrinal details. That will be tempting. Nor is our purpose to attack or defend some pet doctrine. Our purpose is to hear God speak in Jesus Christ and to heed that word. We want to echo the prayer of the Greeks in John 12, 21. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request, Sir, we would like to see Jesus. May we come to church every Sunday morning in the next two months looking that we might see Jesus. May we get up in the morning every day of every week and may we pray, Jesus, may I see you in my day today. Help me to see you. Help me to trust you. In this chaos that is my life, Help me to see you. If our purpose is to know Christ better and exalt him more than whatever differences we may have in, in our understanding of the book, will be forgotten in our worship of him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and your mercy. Thank you for what you've taught us today. Thank you for the songs that the worship team brought us. Truth, truth in those words. Help us to come to you when we absolutely fall flat on our face in failure, knowing that that your grace is all that we need, and help us to not take advantage of your grace and abuse it. think that somehow we can live life however we want to. Father, you know what's best. Help us, help me to trust that. Help me to follow you faithfully. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand and I want to read these last.